With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to Claret and Blue, a bonus episode this week for you. We're going to do a Q&A, now not as long as our traditional Monday show episodes where we do an hour or so, probably going to do about half that this afternoon. Um, John, we've got 10 questions from social media sent to us. First off, uh, how are you? Doing well, okay. thank you. Yeah, doing well. Back in the office, which is nice. Uh, we'll be in the office more often now, we're using this space, so... Mm. That's good. Um, yeah, doing well. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, okay? yeah, all good. Looks slightly different than it did when me and Matt was in here. We've, we've changed the angle slightly. We've got a shirt on the wall now. We've got a little flag in the background. Uh, it's all still trial and error, but we're, we're trying our best to make this a space that we can actually use. <laughs> uh, I've put a big blanket up behind me to stop some of this green screen reflection. I had a few comments saying, like, oh, just use the green wall as a green screen. And I might put a clip in here, actually, of why, why that's a bad <laughs> idea, because it will look terrible. Q&A time, though. The first one is from Brent. He says, realistically, how much money, if any, do Villa have to spend in this window? Okay. So that's a loaded straight question, isn't it? Yeah, straight, straight in, in there. there. Um, I mean, obviously, firstly, we don't have a specific number, only um, Villa's Chiefs, Monchi, and... Uh, I suppose Emery might know, um, and Swiris will know that you know exact figure. And by the way, that can obviously change as well. There isn't one you know kind of bag of money that's set aside. It's bag of coins. Yeah, <laughs> bag, bag of coins. It's um, it's an opportunity, January. That that's the purpose of the window. It's if you, you know, feel the need to bring in a player, but then you've got to weigh that up with well, if it's a player that's going to improve our team, you're going to be overpaying for that player because mm. what player comes to Villa and improves it that isn't playing for a top team isn't a top player in that team so it, it, it's all about opportunity and we saw you know obviously um Alex Moreno last January comes in for 13 million pounds which is a great deal because it's a player who um obviously is now 30 but a player that was allowed to leave Real Betis um so that was a good opportunity and that's obviously someone that uh, Emery's tracked for a while uh, and he wasn't the only left back on our list so we obviously wanted one so we were going to sign one but then it was which one would become available luckily Alex Moreno was the player if we're looking at you know for example, John Duran uh, being replaced, which um, was something that I think was probably more so, you know, likely to happen in the start of the window because mm. uh, we were, you know, tracking strikers and could one come in? Maybe, uh, maybe not. And at the moment, that hasn't kind of happened. And I'd probably put my neck on the line and saying that probably won't happen now um, for the rest of the window. And Emery said that himself that um, it's going to be himself and Ollie Watkins. Sorry, John Duran and Ollie Watkins. And it's all about opportunity, as I say. The, Yes, Villa have some money to spend, but that doesn't mean that they have to spend it in this window, as I say, because players are overpriced. Mm. And why would a team let a player leave in the first place in January? That that would ring alarm bells for me. For example, if we were to sell one of our best players, um, it'd be for a mega fee. And if we were willing to sell a player, i.e. Traore and Callum Chambers, there's a reason for that. It's because yeah. they're not good enough to play for Aston Villa. Yeah. Um, with all due respect, and they'll have you know a career elsewhere. So... Um, you can. Uh, we spoke about January deals a little bit, and some of the YouTube comments from the last time we spoke about this were: well, there are good deals to be had in January. Sometimes, obviously, Moreno is a good example. Yeah. Bruno Fernandez joined Man United in, in, in January. Apparently, there's a few others that people in the comments threw our way. But you could also find a hell of a lot of players that don't work in January as well. So, and the best deals that we've done in January have come before 
football boomed. Do you know what I mean? You yeah. Darren yeah. Benson's stuff, who was, was that 20 million? Something, Something like, like that. Uh, a striker that scores 20 goals in the Premier League isn't costing 20 million anymore. Mm, it's yes. yeah, 100 fair. million pretty much, right? Yeah. You know, that's that's an Ollie Watkins type of player. Um, so that player is, do you know what I mean? It's, uh, especially with the PSR regulations nowadays, you know, the top six, or the big six clubs with their massive revenues, they kind of avoided that and they got a massive head start for years. And now clubs like ourselves, Newcastle, we have to be... Uh, kind of wary of what we spend and yes you know 150 million of pure profit in the last few years is fantastic but you know we don't have to sell anyone to make you know or mm. to balance yeah but we need to just be careful and the summer window is when villa will do the bulk of the business for sure mm-hmm. right let's move away from the transfer window uh, steve asks is there any update on the fitness of jacob ramsey frustrating one isn't it ramsey yeah uh so far no um i've asked the question but no nothing back yet and hopefully that's something that come in the next couple of days um emery said that he's going to have a scan either on uh, when did we play everton sunday it was either the sunday or the monday he said so um yeah he says he's hopeful that it's not a big injury but he felt a pain in his hamstring so that you know i'm not going to speculate but that could be weeks it could be month i don't know it could be longer who knows uh, depends on the scan but they didn't want to risk him against everton that's something you know in terms of the news that will come out hopefully in the next few days um if not the next time that Emery will talk to the media, will be, I believe, the th- probably next Thursday mm. um, to be confirmed, but yeah. Yeah, okay, so i wait and see on Jacob Ramsey. We all want to see him back fit and playing, of course, but just a really frustrating one that kind of just starts to get gets back in the side and then something else feels a pain, got to have a scan. Um, hopefully it's just a, a phantom pain or something and it's not really anything too serious and the scan goes, yeah, it's all fine and he's back, but it's probably unlikely, I would say. Um, Joey asks is it possible to see more of Watkins and Duran as a combo up top or do you think Emery will go with McGinn or Tielemans in the spot next to Watkins if Moussa Diabe is, is not playing I wouldn't I wouldn't and I don't think Emery would start both of them you know from the off because of the control that he wants mm. to having games and um, that means having you know <laughs> it doesn't always mean having four you know midfielders on the pitch uh, but having McGinn, Tielemans, uh, you know, I, when Ramsey's fit, uh, Louise Kamara, those players, they can control a game and dictate uh, the tempo of it and they can progress the ball. Whereas a Duran is obviously going to play off the shoulder, he's going to play with Watkins, maybe, or kind of they'll cross paths, do you know what I mean? And I don't think that's something that we'll be seeing, to be honest with you, like kind of straight up. It's certainly something that I'd like to see off the bench because Duran does make an impact. Uh, we saw that against Palace, we saw it against um, Burnley when he won the penalty, mm. we saw it against Everton. Yeah, you know, yeah, could have easily won the game, and I was saying to the report that I was with, um, you know, on another day we're coming back from that Everton game, saying, "Oh, John Duran is the guy. He's the one that's won us the game." And um, you know, there's no way that we should be letting him go and stuff like that. And that's something that I believe in anyway, because I think he's a very good player. And when he comes off the bench, he's got a lot to his game. He's quick. He's powerful. He causes problems. He, um, I think, he gets kind of caught up sometimes too much in the. Uh, emotion of the game I think mm-hmm. a few times against Everton and obviously in previous games as well we'd either square up to someone or we'd um, you know, put someone to the floor I think he's got the most fouls per 90 this season or something along that line <laughs> what a stat that is yeah he's also got like the most shots per 90 as well so yeah, um, fair enough. he comes on the pitch and yeah Captain Chaos I think someone called him on Twitter the other week so um, I think that probably sums him up best but I really like him and certainly a player that we should be keeping hold of mm. but playing with Watkins from the off I think that probably disrupts what Emery's trying to um, build in terms of the structure that he always goes on about. Yeah, and just as a kind of an aside on Duran, I suppose the the interview that was doing the rounds the, the other day on social media for the, uh, was it in Colombia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the reporter obviously speaking 
Spanish, is it? <laughs> I should know this stuff, man. In Colombia, speaking Spanish, I think, uh, asking him about Chelsea and AC Milan and the headline was something like John Duran interested in AC Milan or whatever it would be. That was, from our understanding, and I saw a great thread from Luis Miguel Echegaray who like broke it down, obviously speaks Spanish natively um, and kind of like translated it, I guess, if you want to, if you want to say that. And it was basically that the reporter was like, kept going, kept going, yeah, kept yeah. going, looking for a headline almost. You know, striker speaks out on Chelsea, making him almost say something that he probably shouldn't as a 20-year-old. That wasn't John Duran going, I want to leave Aston Villa. I want to go to AC Milan. It was, I'm being respectful and asking, answering your question to leave me alone, basically. Yeah, I was just writing a quick piece on that, explaining actually why, what was said and how it happened <laughs> coming here on the train because... I think sometimes when quotes come out, people lose context of, well, mm. was he asked about it? He didn't, you know, he didn't ask, oh, how's your day, John Duran? And then he says, I want to go to, <laughs> you know, I love Chelsea. I didn't say that to you. You know, I dream of playing with Chelsea. He didn't say that. What he said was, you know, he was answering, what, three, maybe four questions about Chelsea and AC Milan because this guy obviously wanted yeah. that headline, which, you know, from a journalist point of view, I understand. But I think it's different when, you know, you've got a 20-year-old standing in front of you um, who isn't, kind of uh, media trained and mm. doesn't know yet, you know, exactly how to um, close you know, down a question. To be honest, I, think he, I think he was okay. Like, you, you know, he's just being honest. He said Chelsea are a big club and AC Milan are a big club. Yep, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's correct. Doesn't mean he wants to leave, yeah. He did not say that Villa weren't or he didn't say that he doesn't want yeah. to play for Villa. What he said was he wants to play in the Champions League of Villa. He wants to help the club stay at the top of the table and he wants to progress. He did admit that adapting in England has been difficult. Mm. Um, which again is understandable. This guy yeah, is, fine. you know, he grew up in Colombia, played in America for a bit. He's 20 years old. He's adapting to a completely different culture. Um, the weather's crap. You know, <laughs> he probably doesn't have much to do. Let's be honest. He goes to training and he wants to be playing more football. Um, yes, I would first to say that I think he needs to kind of, you know, knuckle down, focus on his football and and his development because he's working under one of the best coaches in European football in Unai Emery playing for a team that are third in the Premier League in Europe going for Champions League it's a perfect opportunity for him um, but yeah to be asked questions about Chelsea and AC Milan he's not gonna you know he kind of ignored it in the first part by saying I'm not interested which is fine the second part he said something similar again and then the third part he's obviously said something along the lines of yeah they're a big club and um if they're interested, then you're doing something right. How else is he supposed to answer yeah, that? Because yeah, it's a non-story for me. If he doesn't answer that, he then gets asked it a fourth and fifth times. Yeah. It, you need to understand that this is a journalist who just wants the headline um, and wanted him to say what he said and probably more, to be honest. So, um, yeah, it's all it's all a lot of fluff, really. It's yeah, yeah. nothing to... Definitely. Let's, let's move on from that. Uh, the next question is from Wade, who says, I'm curious if John knows why it appears Mings and Buendia have taken two entirely different recovery paths from their ACL surgery. Mings goes off to the USA, he's been away from Villa Moore, uh, and Emmy Buendia appears to stay in the UK and has been seen around the team more. Is there any info on that, or is it just speculation from our part? Because I would just say that personal preference is maybe yeah. one. Mings wants to get away from it, wants to get away from the, the spotlight different specialists maybe, maybe whoever Tyrings wanted to see was in America and whoever Buendia saw wasn't, things like that. Yeah, and I think as well, going back to, we've mentioned it before, obviously the struggle that uh, Mings went through when he's when he first has his ACL problems playing for Bournemouth, uh, a change of scene probably helps him to get away uh, from different things. You know, that can help you mentally and go away to a different 
you know, even just, just a different environment sometimes, a different yeah. climate and a different way of, um, you know, recovering from an injury. And Emi Buendia, I don't know, maybe he wanted to stay with his family. He wants to be around the team, maybe. Maybe that helps Possibly him think so, yeah. if I'm still around the place, I'll feel more involved. And I think um, their injuries were somewhat different anyway, because I believe mm. Ming's had, uh, I guess we could say a worse injury. Yeah. Um, obviously had different surgeries and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I don't think there's anything, you know, not a kind of um, a specific answer for me on that, but I think it's probably one of those where Ming's probably wanted to go to America um, for different reasons. Exactly, I don't know why, but yeah, Buendia stayed around the team and has been at Bodymore. Ming's has been at Bodymore quite a lot as well. Yeah, yeah. But Buendia seems to have kind of stayed as if he's. Um, but you know, uh, if you did, if I he think, wants to be around. Yeah, still. I think if you didn't know what they'd gone through, I'd think Buendia's probably only out for five or six weeks, and he's still at Bodymore because he's coming back soon. Whereas they're not. <laughs> Buendia's going to be out for a long time as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, that could very easily have just both disappeared into into um, the darkness and we don't hear from either of them. But yeah, and just, whether, just preference. Whether Buendia recovers quicker than Mings and can maybe play a part at the end of the, towards the end of the season, we'll wait and see. But it's not something that, you know, that might be his focus to get maybe an appearance in the Conference League and whatever and um, whatever it may be. I'm not too sure. But uh, there's no risk that's going to be taken with these injuries. They know that this, from the start of next season, that's going to be their, their kind of goal, their mission yeah. to be ready for. So Yeah, definitely. Alberto Solano asks, is there any truth in Villa signing the Serbian right-back, who I believe is Kosta Nedjelkovic? <laughs> I think you're doing quite well there, too, fair. Thank you, mate. Hopefully. Um, Kosta, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you should be... Uh, Signing on soon. Um, I mean, we don't know when this video is going out. If it's yes, one is soon, it could already be done. Yeah. Yeah, and he's expected to go back to um, Red Star Belgrade for the second half of the season. And uh, you know whether he plays for the next season again, we'll wait and see. That completely depends on his development. I wouldn't be surprised to see him go out on loan again to maybe a different club because he's only um, he's only eighteen at the moment. Obviously, so uh, yeah, a, a player that. Obviously, I haven't. I've never seen him. Never heard of him. I would have watched him without knowing it when Man City played Mm. against uh, Red Star away from home. But a player that speaking to a few, sounds like I've spoken to a lot of people in Serbia. I spoke to one person, (laughs) um, Serbia footy scout or something on Twitter. Uh, I sent him some questions and had a chat with him about him, and he says that he's very athletic. He's powerful. um, A kind of a traditional fullback. He's not. He said that at least at the moment, he's not a player that he can. Uh, see kind of playing in that inverted role you know, mm. that a lot of fullbacks do these days uh, which is okay because if we're basing it off Emery's system then a traditional right back is what he is playing with currently and I know yeah. a lot can change from now till the next three years potentially because a lot has changed in his tactical structure from just the last few months um, but Costa is clearly a play that is very exciting it's obviously a cheap fee um, mm. and the chap that I spoke to as well seems to think that he's got a good chance of making the Serbian squad for the Euros which I thought was interesting he has actually made okay. the international uh, a senior international um, appearance for his country, but Serbia have got England in their groups, uh, group in the Euros, and he says that there's not too much competition, so he could quite easily make that squad. Um, so yeah, it could be an opportunity to watch him in the flesh there. But no, a player who uh, he says has got to improve in his final product, but what you're looking at right now is a player who's very athletic for 18, uh, he's very physical, he's very quick, um, he's very intelligent, very intelligent, sorry, as well, he says. And then I asked him, can you compare it to anyone? And he said his profile would probably be something like Denzel Dumfries. Not, obviously, his attacking output isn't that good yet because, say, he's 18 and he hasn't played um, outside of the Serbian Super League, I think it's called. 
So clearly a lot of development needs to take place before we look and you know, really start to look at him as an option. Um, but a player that clearly has quite a high ceiling and is very excited, uh, a very um, exciting and yeah, a player that Villa have obviously tracked for a long time as well. Mm. I like that we'll just call him Costa from now on. It's m- much easier for everybody at the moment. Obviously, I've seen a few people saying things about like, why are we loaning him back? And obviously, as we're filming this, we can't say for certain that that's what will happen, but we think it's, it's pretty likely to to be that. We need to write back now, get him in the squad, start integrating him, that kind of thing. For me, again, I don't know anything about him. I like the idea of the deal to buy somebody for cheap, young player with potential and, and keep them where they are at the moment. Maybe in the summer, they go out somewhere else, like, like you say, and we don't see him play for Villa for two years. To me, that's very like, well, if Brighton were doing it, I'd go, that looks good. If they think that's a good idea, I wish we did stuff like that rather than sign this guy five years down the line for 50 million from when he's already in the Premier League. Get him now, get in early and start the process here. Yeah, it's almost like a, someone asked about this actually in my um, Q&A that I do on Birmingham Live every Wednesday morning if you want to ask a question. Clang. In the comment section. <laughs> Good plug. Um, they asked about the recruitment because, you know, what what is the plan in terms of um, profile of player? And my answer was, well, Villa have gone from in, you know, 2019 when they were promoted to buying players like Louise, Conser, uh, obviously a bit later on, but uh, Watkins, uh, Cash, players that are good enough to play in the Premier League, but have got a lot of room for growth and players that are now what worth triple the value. You know, Louise who buy for 15, Conser was what, 12.5, I think. So we've now moved on to a point where we are so good that we can now buy DRB, we can buy Pau Torres, we can buy players who are not necessarily in the prime, but their market value is pretty much as high as it will get, I think, you know, mm. uh, there or thereabouts because we're that good and we're ready to buy those players now to improve right now. We don't have to buy, um, you know, it's, I don't know, name a championship player. For example, Jonathan Rose is a very good player, but would he start for Villa? No, but maybe a couple of years before we would buy him and he would start And but because we're so much better now, um, mm. we can afford to buy younger players and this player is obviously kind of come from nowhere and he's 18 he's much more experienced than even a championship player he's never played out of Serbia as I say um, but you look at someone like a John Duran for example similar in a way to Costa because he's played in a league which isn't particularly competitive but it's clearly got a massive ceiling and is only a teenager um, so those are two similar uh, transfers obviously John Duran's could be what 19 million I think overall so that is quite a 18 sorry quite a big outlay um for a youngster, whereas Costa is much cheaper. Mm. Um, but I like that we're looking in one kind of market of here's a group of players who can improve us right now. For example, in the summer, I don't doubt that we'll probably look at a right back um, and that we a player that can improve us right now, whereas Costa is a player that will improve us in four or five years. Mm. And again, because of PSR and stuff, we're buying a player that's so cheap, it's almost you know hardly going to have a dent on, um, on FFP. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's very smart to kind of go from here's the guys for the future and here's the guys for now. Yeah, uh, it's a very when, joined up thinking plan, exactly. isn't it, towards when that? that right back that I think we should be signing in the summer kind of um, has three years at Villa, then you've got Costa coming through and that's how it should work and that's how the big yeah. clubs do it. So. And if you're signing in for eight or nine million and he has a spell out on loan in Europe, a spell out on loan in the Championship and I don't know, 20 appearances for Villa, you're probably going to not lose out financially if you have to sell him in, yeah, in three even, seasons even as well. Even if he doesn't fulfil his potential, yeah. which is very high, um, Exactly that. Not selling for 12 or 13 million and that's that's fine. Yeah. 
Uh, let's move on then. We've got a few questions left. Uh, Holt End Horizon asks, is Newcastle United now a must-win with Spurs breathing down our necks and fifth place potentially not being a Champions League spot this year? Yeah. Still don't think the fifth place thing's going to be cleared up yet, is it? If no, fifth place won't be clear until the end uh, of the season. Yeah, it's still a long way to go yet for, that, for us to find out. Like, if we go far in Europe, Liverpool, Brighton, West Ham... Man City could win the Champions League. Like fifth place, we'll get, we'll get, we'll get it. Yeah, and that's why I'm kind of hanging my hat on it and thinking not top four but top five. Maybe yeah. that's a bit. I still think I still think we'll finish but, top four. But yes, you you are right. Yeah. Um, is it a must win, Newcastle? Uh, no, it's not a must win because if we draw the game, it's the season over. No, so it's not a must. Well, win. if we lose, and it's I, not over either. Exactly. I don't <laughs> like the uh, the phrase "must win." If I'm totally honest, because it, okay, of course it, it's not a must win. Is that your I joint top? Yeah, I understand pretty much. I understand the the kind of emphasis on it's an important game. Of course, it is um, Man United and Newcastle United at home. If we can win those both of those games, honestly, the distance we have then from uh, not necessarily sixth because West Ham are there right now, but in mm. terms of those two teams, it's uh, a massive gap, and yeah. that gap shouldn't be you know um, made up. If especially if we could beat Newcastle, United obviously they are closer. Um, but as I say, if we can beat them at home, then uh, okay, happy days. In terms of the fifth place stuff, again, I, I look at Tottenham and I think that is definitely a team that can... <laughs> I've said it before, I, I do think they'll finish in the top five Tottenham. Um, and that isn't anything against us. I just think the second half of the season is going to be very difficult because of the amount of games we're going to play, especially if we play uh, in the Conference League, go into the final and whatnot. Um, yeah, I just think... What do you think the top five will be? In order, City will win the league, I think, and then I, think, uh, I don't know Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham, and Villa. Okay, Villa fifth. Uh, yeah, and again, that's not, not it's not me being me being critical of Villa. I just think it's going to be a very difficult second half of the season. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, we can finish up with Tottenham. We could maybe finish up with Arsenal. I don't know, but I just think sitting here right now, we're going to have to find a new way of playing because teams are respecting us more. We're going to have to have a lot more games, and we've seen what one or maybe two injuries can do to the first eleven. Um, and how that can hinder us. So, yeah, it's been a fantastic season up till now and I expect us to finish in the top five and top five should hopefully get Champions League football. So, yeah, I don't want to be negative with it. I think that's still been positive, but... Yeah, yeah. Champions League is the aim, isn't it? And fifth gets it and we oh, finish yeah. fifth, that's fine. Yeah, that's like, more than fine. I know people say we're in a title race and stuff and yeah, like we're not out of it till, uh, till we're not, if that makes sense. But um, I've said before, like my, my first place is as long as it gets Champions League football is fifth because that is that's it you know yeah. what I mean that, that's the fourth or fifth doesn't matter like it's uh, as long as it gets it yeah, yeah. Um, question from Adam who says with the amount of data that players are expected to take on board for example multiple set pieces nuanced tactical changes mm-hmm. uh, could the dip in form for Villa over the last few games point to a bit of mental burnout which is something that probably isn't talked about very often and we always just think physical fitness but mental as well Potentially, I I thought the question was going to be like an overload of information, maybe, which I don't think would be the case because we've seen how well Villa have done over the last, uh, what is it, 14 months under Emery. But burnout, I mean, possibly, and I think that's why this break is so important. I said after the uh, game against Man City that I didn't expect us to go again against Arsenal and win the game because mentally I thought we were in such a kind of, you know, high place (laughs) after that Man City win. Um, that Arsenal were going to be so much more difficult and I think that showed to be fair in the last well, I mean after we scored really we kind of you know physically looked um, 
kind of done, which again is okay because we've been really busy uh, in the fixture schedule, but also mentally, I think we were um, kind of just going through the motions and in the end, we won the game. Fantastic. But then, yeah, since then, I think, you know, maybe um, I would point more to teams respecting us more, if I'm totally honest. And I think that has an effect because all of a sudden some things that we were doing at the start of the season don't quite come off. And then what Mm. happens then? How do you recover and... Um, kind of go again with that and that's up to Emery and again I totally believe that he'll be able to kind of come up with different ways of winning um, and that's the challenge in the second half of the season I think mentally we'll be okay because we know that we're going for something and I think yeah. there'll be less pressure on us because um, there'll be other teams who are expected to finish above us and stuff like that even though we've had such a good start to the season the media won't be talking about us as much for example it will just be an internal thing of we've been so good we have to stay in the top five now and that will be the pressure that we have inside but we saw last season how well we coped with that after losing to United and Wolves but then we go again against Liverpool Brighton Tottenham so um, hopefully that won't be an issue yeah Um, there's two here from Matthias who says I'll do them in the same same go Uh, do you think we're changing our tactics next season to a 3-4-3 and also wants to ask about the Emil Smith row links. Uh, he says he's barely played in two years, and I can't see how that would be a good transfer for us. Do you want to start with formation? Yeah, I'm, I don't know because I mean, I wouldn't. Uh, no one expected us to go to. Um, actually, I don't know if no one would expect what we're doing this season, but I didn't expect us to be playing uh, in this particular way in terms of controlling games and the opposition half and. Uh, playing as we are so high, especially without Mings. I think that mm. was certainly something that we all thought would now be scrapped. But yeah. um, I think I said previously, it's it's almost like nothing has changed in that regard. So I wouldn't know um, how we're going to play next season. Again, it depends on who comes into the club. We've seen the changes that Emery's brought in. For example, Torres, uh, Tielemans as well comes in and we're all questioning kind of where's he going to play, who's he going to displace because he's not going to play. On Smith Rowe, which I think was the other question. Yeah, uh, That's not something I've firmed up myself. I don't know whether that's a, a report that's just linking him because of uh, Emery and obviously Villa had an interest in him what two or three years ago now. Um, Smith's still here then. Mm-hmm. Was it Dean Smith still in charge then when we were first linked with? Yeah, it was some sorry. of the uh, Jack Grealish left. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I again, I haven't firmed that one up, but not a player. I don't think that would dramatically change us. No, I don't think a player that massively improves us. I think if I was just speaking as a fan and thought. If I saw that come on Sky Sports News, would I be happy with it? My initial reaction would be mm, a bit underwhelming. Like like Matthias says, hasn't played a massive amount over the last season and season and a half or so. Um, but Emery gave him his debut. If he sees the player there, if Emery and Monchi and the team at Villa think he's somebody that can improve us, my mindset my mindset <laughs> totally changes to just go. If they think he's the right player, I'm on board with that. I don't know if that makes yeah. me too fickle or narrow-minded or whatever, but my initial reaction as a fan would be, I'm not sure. But then I'll just think, well, if Emery wants him, he must see something. Yeah. Um, whether he does on Smith Rowe, though, I'm not sure. No, so. okay. Okay, right. Final question is from another Steve uh, who says, do you play Longley versus Chelsea to give more recovery time for Torres? Oh, good question. Yeah, great question. Um, if he's fit and ready, yeah, plays, yeah, I would. doesn't it? Yeah, I, I would play Longley, yeah. Um, I think, you know, unless Torres is fully fit and there's no uh, no sign of any issues, any bruising or anything like that, then um, potentially he could play in the second half, maybe. I don't know. But I would probably play Longley, yeah. I've been impressed with Longley, I think. Yeah, he's good against Everton Sheffield as well. United game was, um, if you were going to leg you, because we, that was just a, that was an experience and a learning curve. But, um, 
Sheffield United, he didn't play his best game, but he was ill, as Emery said after the game, and that's why he came off for Torres. And then Torres aggravated his ankle, so that was a bit of a, you know, well, it was a big frustration, wasn't it? Because now we've missed Torres for another um, few games. But I've been impressed with Longay, done well. Uh, won all of his duels against Everton, against what is a physical team, 84% pass completion, had lots of different um, moments in the game that I was impressed with. So, uh, yeah, happy with him. I think it's, to be honest, the best back that we could get for... You know, a lone player or a player that is basically costing us nothing apart mm. from, you know, obviously a good wage. Um, but no, yeah, done very well. And against Chelsea, if he plays, then I don't think he'll be out of place at all. Would your answer be different if Chelsea was a league game? Are you happy with Longo playing because it's an FA Cup game? You got me. <laughs> yeah, it would, to be fair. Um, yeah, it, I, it would be different. And again, I'm not putting down the FA Cup, I don't think. But we've seen that Emery wants to rotate... Um, his players in cup competitions and therefore Longley would play ahead of Torres anyway I think so um, that's why I want him to play in that game and then hopefully Torres can play against Newcastle and uh, again I don't if there's an issue with that you need these players to be playing in some games um, else they won't be you know, ready to come in when they are needed for example mm. Longley has been needed in the last few weeks but if he didn't play in the conference league he'd be coming into it completely you know um you know, we're playing that high line, aren't we? We're playing in, in a way that is very you know, risky in some elements. But if they know what they're doing and they've had experiences of it already, then it's um, you know far less ris- less risky, I suppose. Uh, so yeah, long leg plays against Chelsea for me, and then Torres for Newcastle, hopefully if he's fit. Okay, good stuff. That's all the questions, John. Thank you very much for doing your best to answer all of those. Thank you on social media for those that have submitted questions. We, uh, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, we're filming something else today in the office with uh, virtual reality, which will be coming out in the next couple of days or so. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, it should be good fun. Uh, John, thanks for joining me. Thanks everyone at home for watching or listening. And we'll see you very soon.